Hey everybody, it's me, the Angry Challenger, sitting here with the Dreaded Challenger. How are you doing today, Dreaded? Hey, I'm alive and I'm doing well, so I'm very grateful. Let's get this pod started. All right, that was fast. Man, you really want to jump into this, huh? I mean, I guess, you know, it's more of a marathon than a sprint, but I'm excited. Ah, marathon. It's funny you should say that, because today we're going to talk about play styles. You know, just like there's different ways to run, there's different ways to play your favorite characters. Now, previously... Our listeners know we did an archetype podcast where we talked about different character types. Now, we didn't cover them all, obviously. All the fighting games are different, but we covered a lot of them, went over some of the basics. All the main ones. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about playstyles. Now, playstyles differ from archetypes in that playstyles are really up to you. But there are some major ones we want to cover. We also want to talk about switching between playstyles and what playstyles mean for you because chances are even if you play the game your own unique way you're gonna fall into a certain method of playstyle whether it's more offensive or more defensive the key here is knowing how to control that knowing what your playstyle is and knowing what faults could be in your playstyle yeah absolutely you got to know not only what your character's strengths and weaknesses are but how to apply them and how to execute it properly and to make your offense or your defense and both airtight. Uh, and once you understand how offenses are mounted or defenses are mounted or different play styles are, are executed, you'll, you'll be more uh, readily available to, to counter someone's play style and formulate one of your own. So we're, gonna, we're just going to talk about those so that you have, have awareness of uh, the different play styles and, and start working on your own so that you think more purposely about how you're uh, attacking the game. Really, when we talk about playstyles, there's, there's so many different ways to play the game, especially if you watch the pros, you can see so many distinct styles, and, and but they really break down into just a few styles. Overall, you can really break all of those down into two main groups. There's mostly offensive playstyles and defensive playstyles. It's, you know, you're either, you're either coming out aggressively or less aggressively. Yeah, Dread is right. Offense, defense, that's the basis of pretty much anything. Sports, playing games, anything. Now, here's what we got here. We, Dreaded and I, have kind of broken down different types of offensive and defensive playstyles. Now, you got to think on extremes here because we all know there's in-betweens, but we're going to talk about uh, around like five different play styles that are uh, classified on each end or even the middle of the spectrum. Now, let's talk about offense first. Offense is very, very important in a fighting game because if you're not offensive, you're not going to win, right? You've got to hit somebody at some point. That being said, offense just isn't limited to attacking because there are what are considered defensive attacks as well, whether they be extremely defensive attacks like counter moves to reversal attacks so dreaded how about we start up talking about offensive play styles first yeah absolutely good place to start now when we start talking about the most aggressive kind of offensive play style that's what we call the rushdown uh rushdown style or rushing someone down rushing someone down is basically descriptive for if someone advances comes forward usually with uh, a lots of attacks, and kind of pushes, pushes forward into the face of their opponent. 
they, they're trying to get in past their opponent's defense and kind of lock them down and then kind of crack them under the might of their attacks. So there's a lot of coming forward. There's a lot of, you know, you, you might see a lot of jump-ins or dive kicks or safe moves that are a good way to get in or to get past any kind of defensive barrier or like keep away moves that their opponent might have. And once they get in, the object is to land the most damaging attacks and to land their biggest combos while totally breaking down the opponent's ability to defend what they're going to do. Yeah, I was going to say this is the uh, extreme end of the spectrum of offense because what you have here is just relentless attack. When Rushdown is at its finest, it is relentless attack with self-control to a certain extent. Because if you rush down too much, you're not blocking a lot. But good rushdown players know what their safe moves are. They know how to gauge people's reactions. Everything they do is testing you. Pretty much in the same way that you go to a new place and people want to gauge how you are. They throw a few jokes out at you. The rushdown person, he's throwing out attacks. He's going to start doing some safe stuff. Then they're going to do some unsafe stuff. If you don't have an in-depth knowledge of the character that's rushing you down or your own character, you might not know what to do. And there's a lot of character-specific safe moves. Rushdown people are going to be in your face. They're going to be trying to hit you. But once they get that hit, once they land that unblockable throw that leaves you open, once you start defending and they get you with those overheads, they convert into combos, they get those counter hits, they get those special counter hit states, they're going to break you down. And they're going to leave your opponent or you, if you're the opponent, feeling very, very overwhelmed. That's the key to rushdown, overwhelming offense. Yeah, so that the opponent is basically going to feel like no matter what they do, they can't get this other guy off them, and no matter what buttons they press, no matter how they block, they're going to make a wrong decision and get and just get comboed, and they feel like their back is against the wall, literally, because usually rushdown tactics are to get the other person in the corner. Uh, limits their movement options and it opens up for bigger combos. And like Angry was saying, the key to all this is knowing how to string together the series of attacks in the safest way possible so that you're mitigating the risk. Because if you just jump in there and just start throwing your biggest moves, often you're you're going to get countered, you're going to get um, beat to the punch, or most likely your attacks are going to get blocked and you are going to get punished. The proper way to rush down is, is using safe strings and safe moves that add pressure so that it leaves the other person perpetually wanting to block, waiting for an opening that may rarely, if ever, comes. Yeah, it's really frustrating to be at the hands, in the hands of an, uh, a bookie player. Like You actually feel like they're in completely in control of everything you do with their crazy vortexes anti-airs and it's like you can see what's happening but the feeling that you don't know what to do about it that's when you know you're and you're just getting destroyed by rushdown so yeah. you gotta be careful Nabuki, you do you do and Nabuki's a good a good example because she has a very fast foot speed so she can come at you she can cover the ground very very quickly she has a little command dash she has a very quick jab i've been victim to a lot of really high level Ibuki's just walking up and punching me in the face with a jab like before I could even react to the block also she has her spin kicks which are very safe on block so she does the spin kicks it leaves you at neutral and then she starts her fast attack again 
There's a lot of different characters that you know have those tools that can be used in that way to apply that kind of pressure. Obviously, if someone is using a projectile in a safe way, it can be part of a good rushdown, especially to end a block strength. So you come up and you know you you, you throw out some attacks. You, let's say you start with a jab. You know you string together a couple of jabs and they're blocked. Whether you can kind of you know, time your blocks so that it locks the other person in block stun, and you're basically doing a combo on a on a blocking opponent that locks them so they they can't throw out an attack without getting hit because they're they're locked in block stun. And then you can end the block string in a safe move like Ibuki spin kicks or a Hadoken that will either leave you at neutral or leave the attacker in frame advantage, leaving him to continue the attack with a small risk of reprisal or getting reversed. A good example of the projectile thing would be Evil Ryu. His crouch medium kick to Hadoken is a true block string, so you can't get out of that. You're going to take chip damage. And at the right range, he's pretty safe after that, so there's not much you can do about it. That being said, block strings that end in fireballs or any type of special move that leave you in neutral are especially dangerous because when you start blocking, you're still taking chip damage. This is going to increase your opponent's anxiety. The key there is increasing their actual anxiety so that they start making mistakes and then you get cracked open. Yeah. Sometimes they'll they'll, they'll make a mistake like trying to jump out of the corner and a good rushdown character will have just the right tool like, oh, he's jumping now. And the next thing you know, you're getting air thrown or you're getting a shoryuken. You're eating it because you made that poor decision to jump at the wrong time and the rushdown character being the the rushdown character he is will counter your movement option. You know, will counter you trying to jump out or make a poor decision like trying to throw a reversal at the wrong time, which then can be punished. A good rushdown strategy not only increases the anxiety, but also will capitalize when the opponent hits the panic button and tries to either jump out or throw out an unsafe move to try to beat the oncoming onslaught. Typically, one of the faults you'll find with rushdown characters, whatever archetype they happen to be or whatever you're trying to play is, you as a player need to be careful of your offense because you're trying to get that stun or you're trying to get that damage. Sometimes people are going to wake up reversal you to kind of turn the tides there. And a lot of times, rushdown characters, very good rushdown characters, aren't very strong defensively or strong on their own wake up. So you've got to be very careful with that. What I mean is, a rushdown character, you're getting in there, you're getting it, you're getting it, you're getting it, and then you get knocked down. Whether it's a soft knockdown, a hard knockdown, etc. The biggest issue you might have is, if you after you get knocked down, you've got to start that momentum again. And that can be problematic for some. I play Makoto. She's a great character. No one's going to argue that. But she's not very strong on wake up. And defensively, she's a little weak. So... Keeping that in mind and the fact that her health is a bit lower can kind of make that a liability when you're trying to rush down in there and trying to get that damage. So you've got to find that balance of rushing down and knowing your own limits. You don't want to push it too hard, end up stunned, and lose the match, which has happened to me many times. Yeah, absolutely. If you lose the momentum as a rush down, you know, in, in a rushdown style, you're going to have to do everything you can do to regain that momentum. 
Yeah, so that's why it's important to be versed in, in many different play styles, but you're going to have to get that momentum and try your best to keep it. You know, no strategy is perfect, so you just have to try to, to sharpen it the best way possible. When we first got in, I know if you've heard our uh, history of the new challengers, you will know that um, the first time really, really realized that we weren't good at the game at the time was uh, when we were fighting Shoto, the Shoto challenger. And he had a very, very oppressive rushdown game. He knew how to use jump-ins and, and safe block strings and throws. When we would block too much, he would just walk up and throw. And then he taught me what a tick throw was, where you know he'd come up, he'd do a jab, and I'd expect a block string, but instead he would just take a step forward and hit me with the throw when I was not expecting it. His, his offense was very, very tight, and I didn't start to even fight back until I learned how to really start to predict his anti-air, like to his jump-ins and anti-air. So, and even after that, then what he would do is try to bait out the anti-air and then combo that way and resume the momentum. So that was, that was a really complete picture that he had. He was rushing down with Ryu, actually. I mean, we can get into this more later, but Ryu's not really thought of too much as a, as a rushdown character. He's more of a balanced guy. A lot of people think just fireballs, hanging back, throwing fireballs. But Shoto's very good at, at rushing down uh, in that way with, with Ryu. Being a really good rushdown character can be – it takes practice to know how to apply all your moves safely while advancing safely and, uh, and, and trying, to, trying to crack the opponent. Being a rushdown character is kind of like being a can opener. You know, You have all these tools and you want to use them. And the right way to really just open up the other guy and, and end it as quickly as possible. Something you said earlier actually segues into the other type of offensive play style that kind of fits in with rushdown in a way that I want to talk about, and that would be grappling. Uh, now, let's talk about grapplers again. I mean, as the archetype, they typically have these throws that you can't break. They deal big damage or really fast or whatever. Examples of characters I would use like that would be, say... Orochi Yashiro, Yamazaki's got himself a cool throw in the form of the bang bopper. But then you've got my man Marduk. Now, rushdown-wise, Marduk has a very, very good cross-up. He's got an extremely good overhead. He's got a move that puts people in back turn state. He's got some safe jabs, and I want to get in people's faces with Marduk because he doesn't really have anything to fight at range with. A goal for a grapple-type rushdown style would be different in that you're not trying to hit that huge combo, typically. You're trying to land your throw, whether it's your normal throw, an air throw, a special throw, any type of throw, so that you can kind of reset the situation. So you'll probably find that with grappler rushdown characters, it's not necessarily the oppressive I don't know what to do so much as I don't know when to block I don't know when to, to jump because the grappler is going to be in your face and they're thinking in their head they know it's going to happen you're going to try to hit that huge throw it's how you apply that huge throw and when you hit it that's really going to determine how your opponent reacts so a lot of times grapplers are very good at controlling the pace of the match almost in the same way as uh, one of the later type of play style zoning you can control pace grapplers have an easy time with that as well and i'm sure that uh dreaded can kind of relate with his awesome king stories (laughs) 
Yeah, King is a different character. He's a hybrid, but he's got he's got a lot of those throws as well that uh, that are just amazing, amazing to hit when you have the character up against the ropes and they're trying to block something so that they can try to punish you. And you just you hit that giant throw and you throw them across the stage for big damage. It's just, you know, it's very satisfying. It goes all the way back to the to the days of the lumbering beast Zangief, and then and then on uh, forward to the more advanced grapplers like Kodo and Abel. Like Angry said, you're trying to get past the other person's, the other, the, the opponent's offense to get to a point where you're trying to get them to block, to stay on the ground and block. Once they're staying on the, on the ground and blocking, then you can apply the throw. It sounds easy, but it's, it's actually kind of a, you have to set it up. Like with Zang, if his slow foot speed, he doesn't have any projectiles and he doesn't but he has certain tools that he can get in. Usually with grapplers, one of the tools that they use is their large health. Now, there's some that don't have it, but on the whole, grapplers are going to have a lot more health so that they can wade through a fist to get the throw. But they also have uh, what we call, we mentioned earlier, like tick setups, where they'll buffer the throw motion behind the animations of the normals so that the opponent's in block stun, and if the opponent doesn't doesn't know the specific counter, the throw's coming up right behind it. It can be very technical. I won't go into it much, but that's one of the that's one of the the main goals in executing a grapple play style is hide the throws behind their other offense, uh, and also have an answer for when your opponents don't want to get thrown. You want to get it so that they're standing right in front of you. So when they, you know either they're jumping or they're throwing out projectiles, you need to have a plan to beat those things so that you can get to where you want them on the ground. Yeah, grappling characters are fun to play, but the big thing with grappling characters is they want their opponent to be in some type of neutral state to land that throw, and they want to be at a frame advantage so that they just don't get beat out of the throw. So it's kind of a different mindset because with a lot of rushdown characters, they've got like these jabs and these pokes they can just throw out there. And they don't really care if you stay blocking or not. But because most fighting games, not anime fighters, you can actually throw people out of blocks than anime fighters. But most other fighting games like King of Fighters and Street Fighter, you can't throw someone out of blocks done. So a grapple character doesn't necessarily want you to be blocking all the time. They just want to make sure that you don't know when to not be in range for that throw, which can be very hard to uh, kind of figure out. It's, it's kind of hard to describe because, like, for me, playing Makoto, I want to hit that Karakusa. I want people to block so that I can go in there and hit, you know, my awesome medium punch, which is plus on block. But at the same time, I want to be able to land that Karakusa. So I need to plan my throw so that they're not blocking and not pressing buttons. So in a way, I'm kind of scaring people into not pressing anything at all, as opposed to a rushdown character where you're just trying to hope for that counter hit, trying to crack them open. You want the person to, you know, not, not be too fearful that they don't attack and they're just completely defensive. But at the same time, with the grappler character, you want them to be defensive and just not press any buttons so you can land that big throw. It, it is difficult, and uh, it could be actually be one of the most rewarding play styles if you have a grappling character because uh, there's a lot of techniques that were developed to apply the pressure. 
that are specific to grapplers, such as uh, buffering, you know, like a 360 throw, like after a special move or after like a standing heavy kick, so that the only choice is for the, the, the other character to neutral jump. But like if they try to if they try to neutral throw or if they try to jab out of block stun or they try to punish something, the throw's gonna beat it. So there's like a lot of techniques that you can use to get them in that state where you hit it right as their block string ends that it beats other things. So the invincible, like the throw can, will beat a jab or beat a neutral throw. It's a lot of techniques to do that. So it's a very technical play style, but it can be very rewarding. But again, the, the goal first is to get into someone's face, and it, which can be very challenging if someone's, say, throwing out a whole bunch of stretchy limbs or a whole bunch of sonic booms, which would segue into our next play style, which is more on the defensive side. Yeah, we've kind of broken down the offensive style in two different types, you know, the extreme of rushdown and the extreme of grappling. So now we're going to break down the defense into two different sections, and then we'll go on and, and talk about that happy little common ground there. So let's start off talking about something that most new people are very familiar with, turtling. Now, sometimes turtling is synonymous with being cheap or playing lame to newer players, but it's, a de- it's definitely a play style that's been around since early days of fighting games. Now, take the preeminent turtle character, Guile. Now, I'm not saying that Guile is actually a turtle character. I'm just saying that when new people pick up the game, they play Guile. I've got to hold down and back to charge both my moves. That must mean I should block all the time. Not necessarily true. We'll get into that later. But turtle characters, their main goal is to block everything coming at them, counter, get that damage, and then maintain a life lead. And either try to run down the clock or just frustrate someone to the point where they just continually make the same mistakes and you continually block and counter with fast normals, quick combos, or a flash kick. Yeah, that back down, especially in 2D fighters, acts like a turtle shell. It's, there's very few moves other than overheads and jump-ins that will damage someone who's just down-blocking all the time. Uh, so if you're in a turtling style, especially with the charge character like, like Guile or others, they have Sonic Boom, which will keep them down. Now, usually like the Sonic Boom in particular has a very short recovery time. So they can throw it back out. It's like it's like a turtle like sticks his head out of his shell real quick and it sticks it right back in, because he's he's got so few frames on his recovery on the sonic boom. You throw out that sonic boom and he's back into his turtle shell. You try to open up the turtle shell by by jumping in. You're you're facing a flash kick, wash rinse repeat, and that's basically how you turtle. It's easy in concept, but with killers who are really good at rushing down who are really good with their overheads and their jump-ins and their different, you know, grappling maneuvers, it's, it's a little bit more involved in that. You have to be able to see the, the, the attacks coming in and, and know when to flash kick or know when to sonic boom or know when to reverse. So it's not as simple as it might at first sound. But the object is, like, like Angry said, is to, is to get that life lead and then maintain it, hold on to it as long as possible. Because if someone's desperate to crack the shell, if someone's desperate to break your defense, they will make more mistakes. A seasoned player will take advantage of those with the most damaging combos possible. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned a sonic boom because it serves a dual purpose. If you're just holding down and back, obviously, you're not going to be on the attack. Now, for anime fighters, this is not good because frequently you'll go into these states where if you are not on the offense enough, you will actually incur a penalty. Like, you'll take more damage or something like that, and you'll flash red Yeah, it's or the anti-turtle penalty. Yeah, because anime fighters are geared pretty much completely towards offense normally. Now, that being said... I'm going to get back to what I was saying about the Sonic Boom there. The Sonic Boom serves as a way for characters like Guile, or in the case of DJ, he's got his air slashers. It serves as a way for him to put out some damage in the screen and get a reaction from the opponent in case they also just sit back there and they don't attack. Because if Guile did not have that Sonic Boom, for some people, have being just charged and having a flash... They might not ever attack because he'd only have all of his normals and it'd be really hard to go in and get your damage. The Gaussonic Boom provides him a way to get some chip damage and to apply some pressure to get the opponent to react and to frustrate the opponent. Yeah, the main thing is just blocking, having a very tight defense. See incoming overheads and block them. See incoming jumping, you know, jump ins, beat them out. There's a number of different character archetypes that are really good at this. Mainly charge characters, of course, you know, are the biggest turtlers because they have that down back. So it's possible to turtle with Blanca, with E-Honda, with DJ. So those are what you're going to see mainly as your turtlers. It's kind of a a, a beginner-friendly play strategy, but it can be used at higher levels as well. Now, related to turtling is zoning. And some people might think turtling and zoning, they sound like the same thing. They're very similar, but they are indeed not the same thing. And we will explain how they are not. That why we broke it down as two separate play styles. Zoning basically is the strategy where you are trying to force your opponent into one area to a specific distance away from you in the screen. You're trying to keep them there using fireballs, or long-range normals, and the attempt that once they're there and they're not, they're out of their comfort zone so that they can't attack or defend optimally. It's not the same thing as turtling. There's other different kind of character archetypes, the, the special zoners that, that actually do it better, uh, mainly like characters like Sagat or Dalsum, where they're not particularly turtling per se. They're actually more proactive Zoning is more proactive than turtling is. Turtling is waiting, blocking and waiting. Zoning is actively applying pressure to keep them in that zone and then waiting for them to do something that's not optimal. Zoning is seen as spamming by a lot of people, especially good zoning, because it seems like, well, they're just doing all this stuff and just getting all these hits, and it's not fair. Why don't they come up and fight me? Well, they don't want to. That's not their goal in life. They're not going to try to get in your face and fight you. What they want to do is control your space, and they want to control how you react and make sure that when you're jumping, there's a fireball or a foot or a dragon punch waiting for you. And when you're hanging out in the back, there's going to be throwing fireballs or throwing out limbs at varying speeds to make sure that you aren't moving when you're supposed to be moving. And, and don't think that a zoner is just happy to be in the back corner of their own screen throwing out projectiles. Like a good zoner will know 
when to move forward. So it's like they might claim, eventually claim center screen, and you're sitting at the back of your corner. And they're like, no, it's cool because I'm at center screen. You're in the corner, and I'm keeping you there. So that when you try to advance, not only do I have attacks, but I have the option to move backwards and regain that zone that I want. So it, that's that's another big difference with turtlers and, and with the zoner. Um, very, very frustrating. A lot of times, yeah. I mean, different characters, different zoning characters have different zones, but you really want like a space and a half. And when I say a space, it's like a space is usually the space between one character and one character's longest ranging poke attacks. So like a space and a half because a zoner's attacks are going to be longer than someone else's. So like with Dawson, the zoning space is going to be farther away than, say, Sagat's. Yes, indeed. Zoning is just, it's kind of like the same feeling as when you're being rushed down, but it's even more frustrating because you can't even touch the person when they're doing it correctly. That being said, most people in the game have a way to get around projectiles or long limbs. It's just figuring out what works for you. But if you can't figure it out, then you are at the mercy of a zoning character. And it can feel cheap, just like turtling can, but... It takes a lot of intelligent play to apply good zoning. Yeah, it really does. You have to be smart to use a character such as Dalsum. It's not a free match. It's, you have to be smart to use a character like Sagat. Although Sagat is the king, and he is quite beastly, it's not a free match. It, it definitely isn't. There are weaknesses to exploit. And if I may, the key to fighting, to playing against someone who's using a zoning playing style, is you got to be patient. You can't panic, and you can't try to rush where there's no openings. That door will get slammed shut, and you will lose in a hurry. I was actually fighting an online Dalsum the other day. I just took a deep breath. I did some yoga chants, and uh, it, it was a long match, but I came out on top. I had to use my own zoning tools to counter zone. And then when you know I waited, and when I saw that projectile, I used some EX bar to blow through that, that yoga fire, and get into his face. And when I got into his face, he made some bad some bad choices and, you know, teleported when he shouldn't have. Next thing you know, I was able to land a big combo. Because he's at a health disadvantage, I was able to clinch the match. But I was, at first, because of his, his, his good intelligence zoning, I was at a, a life disadvantage. I was losing. But just be patient and wait for the openings. They'll come if you're patient. It can be a hard, and hard run. Yeah, let's, let's, real quick, since we talked about it, what's the difference between spamming and zoning? Okay, spamming, let's say, let's take Ryu for an example, because all the new people want to know how to play a fireball. Spamming would be if Ryu just continually threw fireballs over and over and over again, continually tried to hit that Shoryuken without any thought to the fact that if you're too close when he throws that fireball, he's in an extreme disadvantage if they jump. So spamming is the overuse of a move to build some sort of offense. Zoning would be the use of moves to control your opponent's spacing, to control where they are on screen, where they can go, to hold them in a zone, as you said before, so that they cannot set up an appropriate offense. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that's the key difference. Go ahead. You, you started. Yeah, I was going to say that's the key difference between zoning and spamming. What I, what I just outlined is the that's the key difference between zoning and spamming, just throwing moves out there and actually trying to control the match to a certain degree. 
one way that you can effectively zone instead of spam is if you have a projectile, vary the speed on it. Use the heavy punch one and then use the light punch so that they're traveling at different speeds. So maybe someone will try to neutral jump it and then all of a sudden they're landing on the fireball instead of you know jumping over it. Or use different attacks to zone. Also, use your feet. Use your footwork to establish the zone and to keep away. Don't just keep throwing the fireball by standing still. They'll just wait it out and then until they're in the right range, you throw out the fireball, they'll jump over and get you. So so watch your ranges as you're doing it and know the range of your anti-air. So when they jump, they're expecting to jump, then you got them. Then that's proper zoning. So vary up the speed of your projectile and use your footwork to get into the right ranges. Yeah, That's how you zone. Yeah, zoning is definitely a lot more complicated than simply throwing out a fireball over and over again, which would constitute spamming. Now, we've talked uh, a lot about the extreme ends of the spectrum here. Let's talk about a little something in the middle. Talk about how archetypes fall into different things and what your play style means for you. Let's talk about footsies. Footsies are kind of the neutral game type of deal. It's a play style but everybody needs to have good footsies, in my opinion. Yes. Everybody should have good footsies for their character. Figure out which of their moves works well in the neutral for opening up their opponent, whether it be a good sweep or just a poke to will easily lead into a combo. Footsies are knowing the range of your normals versus knowing the range of your opponent's normals and being able to strike inside or outside of those ranges. Yeah, footsies is basically fighting over that neutral space. You'll hear a lot about pokes. A poke is one that attack you can throw out there that's safe, relatively quick, and long-ranged, long enough range that it's safe enough to throw out there as long as you don't telegraph it. But it establishes your, um, your, your distances. It's like a jab in boxing. Everybody's got to have a good neutral game. Whether you're going to start zoning or whether you're going to start rushing down, it all starts in the neutral game. So you've got to got to have that on lock. You got to have that. And the reason we're talking about it in, you know, in the play styles is because usually at the beginning of the game, and definitely at some point in the game, you're going to be in the neutral game and you're going to have to implement that style. Yeah, you'll notice that some characters have better footsies than others. Everybody knows about Aiden's standing heavy kick. Everybody knows about Ryu's Oof. low forward or low medium kick. Everybody knows about Ken's step kick. Everybody needs to know about Makoto's stand medium punch. Oh, an able step kick. <sighs> I have able step kick nightmares. Oh, me, me too. Fact of the matter is, when you have footsies in play and you have good footsies, it means that no matter what play style you have, offensive or defensive, you'll have a means of striking your opponent in the neutral. In the neutral game is very, very important because where do you start when you start playing? In a neutral set. The neutral position. And you know what? Sometimes other characters have an advantage in the neutral because they may have an awesome fireball or some rangy normal. Like, I remember the Demon Challenger used to play as Heihachi in Street Fighter Cross Tekken. And back when there was a glitch in Street Fighter Cross Tekken where you could actually fight before the fight sign went away, he used Heihachi's little dashing attack. And you wouldn't be able to see it because there'd just be this giant fight logo. And Ahachi would be doing like, I don't know, look like some type of weird plyometrics with his arms reaching out to <laughs> just instantaneously. 
just cockroach instantaneously. Down. Yeah, just out of nowhere, zero to 146 miles per hour. Just in your face. A blink of an eye, in your face. So everybody's got to have that play style. Everybody's got to have that strategy in place before you even put the disc in the game. You've got to either have strong footsies or um, strong way to defeat footsies. Yeah, because and it you, seems like you yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say because when you get playing at a higher level, you can't just rely on your one play style because there's holes in every play style. Yeah, and different people have different experiences in def- in defeating play styles. Some some people are really good at beating rushdown characters. Some people can't really um, open up a turtler or a zoner. But to round out your game, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be at least an expert in one, but you have to know them all. And and be be able to cope with all the all of these different uh, playstyles that we've been talking about. Yeah, um, so- I was going to say something about the upcoming Street Fighter Five. Oh, it looks okay. like the neutral game is going to be even more important in Street Fighter Five because they're reducing a lot of the hard knockdown, like throws. You don't just stay on the ground anymore. You don't have a lot of time to just walk around and set up your next offense in Street Fighter Five. There's a lot of quick get-ups. There's, there's backup get-ups. So it looks like the neutral game is going to be emphasized in Street Fighter V, from what I've seen. So, yeah, I agree with get you. Ready. That damage is so high. And don't let the character's archetype define the way you play that character. Play the character you want. I mean, Balrog, he's a very offensive character, both racially and actually in playstyle. But you might also <laughs> be tempted to play him as a turtle character because he has charge moves. Don't don't just get stuck in those charge moves. Go watch PR Balrog play. He's fantastic. He is fantastic. He's got an amazing neutral game. And once he gets momentum, he is on that person. He buffers into all of his dash punches. Uh, he's got those turn punches ready to go to counter stuff. But he's rushing down. He loves to be in someone's face using those great pokes that he has and those great normals to beat everything. Like I was saying about Ryu, uh, Ryu's a great zoner. Because he has such a great fireball and then invincible air, uh, anti-air. But despite Ryu's strength as a zoner, he can also be used to also rush down. He can be up in your face. He has an overhead. He has. Uh, he can end block strings with his amazing fireball. And if you try to break out or jump out of the corner, if he's got you in there, he can hit you with the sure you can. So I've met a lot of very good rush down Ryu's as well. So just because you have a character archetype that think oh uh, you know he's only good for turtling look at barock he's not i've seen amazing rushdown guile players uh where they learn to buffer their their sonic booms and use them as to with great effect use the frame advantage on the sonic boom to just get up in your face and just not relent so just because you have a certain archetype of a character it doesn't really doesn't completely dictate that you have to play as one strategy you can have more than one viable strategies uh, with these characters. And you should. And you should also know when to go from playing that one strategy to another. If you're working on somebody and you're extremely offensive, but they're countering you, then maybe it's time to switch it up and go on the defense. If you can seamlessly switch from going from your neutral game to your offense, to your defense, to your offense, to neutral, to offense, if you can do that seamlessly throughout the match, it's going to be very hard for someone to figure you out. That's one of the beautiful things about Cross Tekken in that you can have two different people playing on the same team. They have different modes of play. It's very hard to figure out 
who or what you're fighting. Yeah, you have four different matchups all you know right there. Yes, and it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I wish more people played it. Yeah, except but, for uh, Omics just always beating us. Yeah, I know Omics seventeen. If you're out there, curse you. Curse you, Omics. Yeah, one simple way to think about mixing strategies and shifting from one to the other. Let's say you start. Everybody has to start in the neutral game. So you start with the neutral game. You get a good poke on the footsies and you get a nice hard knockdown. You know, you start with like a vortex or a jump in or a safe jump or something to get your offense flowing and you're in rush down. Next thing you know, you have your opponent down to half health and, you know, you've barely taken a scratch. Well, then let's just say you pull back and then start zoning them. So you, you plant yourself at the middle of the, of the arena, there in the corner, and you zone them. All of a sudden, the momentum shifts from being offensive and taking life. Now you're preserving your own life, and you're forcing the other person who is a, at a life deficit. They have to attack you because they're down. And since they're desperate and they're attacking you, then you pour on the zoning. Then you pour on the defense. And you either grind out the win or you just straight shut them down when they're coming in and you get the easy W. That's just one, just one way that you can uh, use multiple strategies, multiple uh, play styles in one round to get the W. And, of course, you can play it. You can play mind games throughout matches. You can start zoning, and then once they think, oh, he's just going to zone, I'm going to get in. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get past his, oh, my gosh, he's rushing me down now. You know, from, so you can vary it up match to match. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun when you've got somebody going one direction and you just jerk them in the other direction. It takes talent. It's not easy. But, you know, we can work it out. Now, that being said, I want to add the caveat that just because, like we were saying before, just because you're playing as Guile, you don't have to be a total character. Just because you're playing as Fei Long doesn't mean you have to to play rushdown just know that certain archetypes lend themselves certain play styles so if you're having difficulty playing the way you want to with a specific character try someone else they might be just what you're looking for yeah don't limit yourself and you know i've always thought that it's it's always smart to have a pocket character a character that has different strengths than the ones that you have for specifically you know for bad matchups and so that you can effectively apply multiple strategies, say, in a tournament or a first-to-five kind of a setting. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tournaments throw a wrench in everything. Yeah, they do. All those different play styles, all those different archetypes, all those different people coming at you. All that different tech. All that different tech. You never know which new tech's going to come out every day. I think that pretty much covers our uh, play styles, unless there's anything you wanted to add. No, I think uh, I think that's been some some knowledge. I think I'm out for today. That's cool, man. And just to touch on one other thing, different games have different play styles. Like you're not going to be able to use some of this information, like for defensively for some anime fighters. And you know, Street Fighter is uh, kind of like you were saying before uh, we were talking. Dreddy, you were saying Street Fighter is like chess, and you're talking about Marvel as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I'm not very good at Marvel. Marvel really lends itself to offense, while Street Fighter is more of a back and forth. You attack, you defend, you counter. And Marvel, it's just looking. It's kind of a one-sided conversation. It's kind of like whoever says the most in the shortest amount of time kind of wins with Marvel. 
Yeah. It's kind of like in Street Fighter, you're having an honest conversation. There's a point. There's a counterpoint. There's a witty anecdote thrown in, and it's a back and forth. And in the end, there's a winner. Uh, Marvel just kind of like the Fox News of of debate style. It's just kind of yelling at each other. And I'm just going to fill up the screen with as many characters and rocket punches and traps <laughs> and and mega busters as I can. Uh, so and eventually someone's going to crack. Yep. Good luck being a turtler in some Marvel. Oh man. Oh. No, it's not going to work for you. And and like I said, you know, we mentioned this in the character archetype. If you play Tekken, some of this might apply, but there's no turtling in Tekken. Not really. There's defensive play styles. There's using longer pokes. So you can kind of zone in Tekken, but it's not the same. No. Because defending, attacking and defending in Tekken is different. Because, you know, you just the whole thing about not being able to crouch block mids makes it different. So, you know, a lot of that goes out uh, out of the window with both Marvel and Tekken. But a lot of what we're talking about is, is really applicable for most most fighting games in 3D and in 2D including. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I think that covers everything we need to for the day. I think so. I think we've, I think we have imparted knowledge to our listeners. Anything else you want to talk about before we depart? <sighs> I just uh, want to just, this might seem odd, but you know, you guys are out there online. I just want to encourage you to be, be safe when you're online. Uh, be careful who you're talking to. Be careful what you see. Is you know everything is not as advertised online. Whether you're you know gaming against somebody who has zero BP, or you know you're trying to make an online purchase, always look twice. Always research into it. Google's there for a reason. You know internet scams have been out for a, a long time, and just keep yourself safe, everybody. That's a good PSA, and I just like to say once again, support your local USO because USO is awesome. Absolutely. So I guess we'll close it out with a little bit of a until the next challenge. Until the next challenge. See you all next time.